Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Can you believe we have recorded over 1,000 interviews? It is hard for me to believe sometimes. We could not have done it without you, our listeners. To say thank you, we want to send you a gift. And it's only for the first 100 listeners that sign up. You have to go to lifebridgecapital.com, go to the podcast page. There'll be a button where you can sign up for the gift. But again, it's only for the first 100 people. We would love some feedback as well to help us improve the show. But we want to say thank you. Want to say thank you to our listeners. We could not have done it without you. But for show 1000, it's going to be special. It's been requested by many. And I'm going to have a very special guest on that I hope inspires you. I hope you learn a lot. And it may even take us more than one show, most likely, to to complete the interview. But I hope you enjoy it. I look forward to reading your feedback and even sending you a gift. Again, I want to say thank you. Have a blessed day. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Terry Yonker. Thanks for being on the show, Terry. Yeah, thanks for having me, Whitney. Just so a listener knows, Terry can speak four foreign languages. And I mean, it's an incredible skill to me that somebody can do that. I mean, one additional language, much less four total. So a brilliant guy and obviously, you know, using those abilities to help foreign investors. So Terry, thank you for your time. Welcome to the show. Get us started with a little bit of your real estate background and let's jump into just how the residential side can help us make better decisions in commercial real estate. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing about the languages because that's what really led me into seeing how special U.S. residential real estate is and its transparency. You know, you don't realize it on the commercial side and in foreign markets, and you think it all works like that all the time, but it doesn't. And so when I, you know, started in my real estate career is a little town in Southwest Florida called Punta Gorda. You just think how can you get in and make decent money and really do good business in a small town because you couldn't niche out on a commercial sector in a small town. So the first step was toward residential building relationships through chambers of commerce. I mean, basically like an Andy Griffith Mayberry style, you know, build your network and get into the residential side of it and start building your business. When we saw that those principles could really help commercial investors was when we started working with foreign investors that started coming to our backyard and you start sharing their experiences and how opaque it is what they were sold how they don't even know how to access the simple stuff like sales data transaction data and that's when you step back and realize and say wow our transparency and availability of just transactions information is unparalleled in the world and so we start bringing some of that transparency and broker cooperation, which again, to a lot of them is foreign concepts. It's hard to believe, but it is. So we started bringing that into our commercial transactions, our interactions with our foreign investors. And it's just gone very well. I mean, the appreciation and, you know, I keep hearing in your podcast, like the importance of relationships and trust. 
And boy, when you can open up the book to these people, sometimes for the first time, you want to talk about trust, you know, compared to what they're used to. And it's just helped our business and helped them tremendously. Yes. And that's awesome. Could you give us just a few examples, you know, and a few examples, maybe that would help the listener and myself to be better prepared to do the same thing with our investors? Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, with some simple vacant land transaction, you know, when foreign investors come in and they said they have already tracks of land and you say, well, great. How did you get that? I'm glad. And they want to sell it, for example. And you see their process is they had a middleman that typically buys it at market, a nice transparent transaction. They'll go over and sell it at a hundred percent markup without any kind of middleman. I mean, they're the middleman, but no professional guidance, like from a commercial broker or anything. And so they come back and see it. So how you can show is when, when you're working with these people realize that that's how they're used to working. So when these investors came and they had all these land tracks that they had bought, you want to jump in and just say, Oh my goodness, what just happened? But you can't. So as somebody easing into this, you open up like even something like RPR as a realtor, which I am a realtor, you have access to all these resources. So you open it up, show them the public tax records. You can show the sales transactions. So before I dive in to show them, go as something as simple as your county tax records that show the sales data. And they'll see, oh, this person bought it with their name and they can see it. Don't you be the bad guy and say, look, they bought it for a hundred thousand and they sold it to you for 400,000 a month later. And then show the the area, the neighborhood on how those transactions went. And it's not just a special deal that you could get these tracks all over what the market is. And using that in our commercial side as well, you know, with the transparency, because so much of it is principles only, for example. So if we switch to the commercial side now with our investors, you know, you go into some of these transactions, you're looking at deals and some of it is principles only, or they won't even as a broker share with you the information. Now I could have the best you know, group that could help them and their seller, but it's the principles only, they won't even share it with you, which is fascinating. And so that's where, I mean, coming from the residential side, because 90% of our deals on the residential or even vacant land investment side come from the Cobrokes because our hands are only so, we can only touch so many people, but using them is, is so great. So, you know, that's part of with your syndication. And that's what really drove me to your podcast and, and, you know, with these guys and these foreign investors where we're moving into is a syndication because then now I can be a principal in the syndication, if only just to be able to see these deals that they're hiding from us brokers, you know, so now we can get in and boy, it's an efficient way to invest for these guys. I mean, if you could see it, Whitney, like the structures, they would come in, they'd have LLCs here and this LLC, they haven't paid their taxes for three years, you know, by the time I get them, because they're just sold stuff and then that's it. So then we get in and sometimes I'll get on their LLC, do their taxes and everything. So that transition to knowing as an initial investor, when you're working with these people that aren't used to that level of transparency, I mean, they were amazed. I could see their LLC just simply from public records and, oh, here, you're the member of this. And so just being aware that they're not used to that what does Ray Dalio call it? Like wild transparency or whatever term he uses, you know, radical transparency. Yeah. I think that's going to be an eye opener for them. What about just some other barriers to working with foreign investors? You know, I mean, most of the listeners are, are going to be working with investors in the States, but, but it's a whole nother level to, you know, start bringing in foreign capital. I mean, we have, and we have foreign investors, but that was a learning curve. 
you know, it was a learning curve and understanding the difficulties that they have that I hadn't experienced at that time for, you know, for our investors, right? I mean, just different questions, different things they have to be concerned about that, you know, I didn't know at that time and I'm still learning. But what are some other barriers that you could help the listener with that, you know, we're definitely going to encounter or at least to be as prepared for as possible? It's simple things that we take for granted here. Like one in France, I'll give a great example, like a real nuts and bolts example is a notary. Right. Like when we have to notarize documents here, no problem. You go to the bank. It's free. Hey, have a nice day. Thanks for closing the deal. Shake hands. In France, a notary is almost like an attorney. So you have to pay them a portion of the sale proceeds of the asset that you're talking about. And they always just like attorneys, no offense to attorneys listening here, but, you know, they're going to go through and run it up and make a whole big to do out of something that's so very simple in the United States. And so then we send them to the embassy, the U.S. embassy or the consulate in Marseille sometimes. And now with Corona, that's shut down. So these types of things where, you know, you could have the relationship, you could have the deal, you could have things signed. And these little intricate details can, you know, really screw up the whole process, something that would be relatively insignificant. And, you know, and again, with money transfers, you know, again, the banks have terrible exchange rates if you go bank to bank. So we use a third party, you know, currency exchange service, as I'm sure you do with your foreign investors that can then have it be domestic wire, domestic wire grade exchange rate. So just these little details that, you know, we see are overlooked because when we get clients that have worked with other brokers or other people, this is news to them, like the currency exchange service or even FERPTA, which for those of you that that haven't worked with foreign investors before, you know, if you go in and invest in America as a individual foreigner, and when you sell the U S government holds 15% and you got, you, it's up to you to file taxes to try to get that back. They don't ask questions. They just take it. End of story. And you have to get it. So when we would deal with investors, they, they thought I was telling stories about FERPTA because all their transactions, nobody helped them recover it because it didn't help that intermediary at all. So just these little individual things, as you start dealing with foreign investors, just be aware of that, you know, you'll really add value to them. And that's what's so exciting is these things that you think, oh, this is normal, everyday stuff. To them, it's not. I mean, every one of the things we're discussing is eye-opening and they'll trust you for it. And, you know, they'll work with you time and time again once you've built that trust. Where do you learn these things? Like, is there a place that you've gone to learn some of these things or is it has been just, you know, throwing yourself in there and working with these, with you know, foreign investors? I was just thinking about, you know, is there any kind of resource for the listener where, you know, you can kind of get some steps on how to be prepared to provide that value to a foreign investor? I've looked and maybe I'm missing it. And I would love afterwards if we can exchange in the comments or, you know, exchange resources, I would love to see, cause I'm a CIPS certified international property specialist. And I took all the training with that in the network. But what you find is very general. Like I'm a nuts and bolts guy. Like I want to know one, get the FERP to sign two, get the notary three, get this, you know, and a lot of that is just bow, kiss or shake hands or whatever, you know, it's very, foo-foo, which is important also. But as far as nuts and bolts, it was basically just making the mistakes. So if I can help other people now, you know, it's just like everything. It's not genius or really expertise. It's just you've done everything incorrectly. And so you found the best way to do it just because you screwed it up so many times. So now we're here. And I'm sure there's somebody, you know, that that has expertise for the next steps. And, you know, we're fortunate here in Orlando, at least down in Miami, you know, those guys, I mean, that's all their international investments and presence there is huge. So, you know, we've been trying to go down there 
And I closed a couple of deals down there in Lauderdale with title companies that speak different languages. So it's mainly just hunt and peck. And it's still though, I, I would love that open book and you know, the transaction step one, kind of like what we're talking about, step two, step three, step four, but maybe I just haven't found them. Our guest is Mauricio Raul. Thanks for being on the show, Mauricio. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Really enjoying this series. One thing we wanted to talk about and discuss today in depth was how to work with international investors. I've had that question numerous times to me, and I've had people say, you know, you know, next time you get Mauricio or somebody like that on, you know, I'd love to know more about this. So here we are, and you know, international investors and why that's important, why we want to make sure we're doing it legally. And Mauricio, you know, get us started. I know there's you know some major considerations that we need to be thinking about, and I know I'm going to have lots of questions along the way, but you know, let's just dive in. So yes. A lot of clients, you know, the, the international thing comes into play, not all the time, but quite a few times. And I, there's always the same kind of concerns, or not concerns, but things you could really have to think about, right? Again, just remember, it's not your job to know every single statute out there and every single law, whatever. That's what your attorney's for. It's really your job mostly to sort of identify and say, hey, wait a minute, that may be an issue. Let me pick up the phone and call my attorney. And maybe the attorney doesn't even specialize in that area, but then they can refer you to somebody else. But again, so your job is to identify these issues. So that's really what I'm going to try and go through today is just identifying some things. I think just in really broad strokes, the first thing you've got to recognize is that most countries, they may not necessarily be as robust as ours, but most countries have their own securities laws. So whenever you're dealing with international investors, you just got to be cognizant of that. I obviously am not an expert in the securities laws of other countries. I'm a U.S. attorney, obviously. Some countries like Canada are very developed securities laws, and they're not, they're kind of similar to ours, but you've got certain considerations. I'm guessing if you go to you know Afghanistan, you know, they probably don't have as a robust securities law, but just keep that in mind, especially if you're traveling. Most likely, if you're doing it here in the US and you're staying in the US and, and somebody just happens to somehow, maybe they're listening to your podcast with me in some other country and they somehow connect with you, you know, that may be fine. But it's, if you're traveling abroad, you know, maybe down in Mexico, or if you're, if you're from another country and you travel to your own country and do a presentation and try and raise funds from international folks, just keep that in mind. You want to make sure you're complying with the securities laws of that country. So that's kind of step one. You know, that's an aspect of this I haven't even thought of, honestly. Yeah. If I am in another country, Canada or Spain or Mexico, wherever, and yeah, I'm doing that presentation that I need to understand yeah. what yeah. the regulation is yeah. in that country. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. last thing you want to do is get in trouble while you're abroad, right? I don't know. I guess if you're in the U.S., Canada's got some really robust. I think Mexico is pretty good. But, you know, I lived in, as you guys know, I lived in Belize for a couple of years and their security laws are pretty, you know, paltry. And so it just depends. But just keep that in mind. By the way, same goes for the, and we'll talk a little bit about this in one of my things to consider is on the tax side. Always keep that in mind too. When you're dealing with international investors, just think about the tax and make sure you're talking to a tax professional in that particular country because I have no, well, I have very little knowledge on, well, I know enough knowledge to be dangerous about US tax law. I'm not obviously a tax professional, but certainly have no clue about Mexican tax law or Canadian tax law. So anyways, that's kind of point number one. The main thing I think you want to remember or keep in mind is, and, and I say this not really jokingly, it really is true. When you accept money from an international investor, somebody who's overseas, physically overseas, and let's go with an example. Let's say you've got an investor in England. I'm just going to bring that up. So you have an investor in England somehow contact you. They want to wire over you know, $100,000 and they want to invest in your project. The first thing you've got to realize is that you really do become an agent of the IRS. That is because you have a requirement, a legal requirement to withhold 
30% of whatever monies goes back to England, your responsibility is to withhold that 30% and send it on along with some forms to the Treasury Department. And again, I'm not well-versed in the technicalities on what forms they are and how that mechanics works, so definitely check with your CPA. But it's really important to be working with a CPA who understands international transactions because that is a requirement of yours. And if you think about it, the reason that that is there is the international investor has is going to owe taxes in the U.S. most likely based on whatever you know profits they generate here in the U.S. But they have zero incentive to come over and file a tax return at the end of the year and, and get you know and pay their taxes right. And so what this does is it forces the investor to actually file if they want to get some of that money back to file their tax return here in the U.S. And, and it's not a thirty percent tax; it's a thirty percent withholding, just like any withholding. So it may be that the investor owes less than 30%, but they have to come in, file their tax return to get that refund. Obviously, if they own more, they're, you know, they're probably not going to have to tax anything. But the key thing to remember is that you are going to be legally responsible. If you don't withhold that money, they don't file a tax return, they don't pay their taxes, you are technically on the hook for that. So it's really, really important to be checking in with your CPA. Let the CPA know that this is what you've done. And hopefully they understand what to do. And if not, I recommend either consulting with somebody who has experience in cross-border taxation or maybe switch to CPAs if your CPA isn't up to, up to speed on that. So if that investor doesn't pay that tax, we are on the hook for that. I Correct. just wanted to say Correct. that again. Correct. Correct. So it makes total sense, right? I mean, why would you, why would, if I'm a Mexican investor and, and, you know, and I got my money and I don't travel to the US, I have really no connections to the US, like why would I bother filing a tax return and, and handing over 20, whatever the, the rate, the, the amount is, the tax that I got to pay. So anyway, that's, that's kind of point number one. I wonder if you have any questions on that, but that's kind of the, that's probably the main, the main thing. And again, I just want you guys to recognize that point. You don't have to memorize it. You don't have to understand the, the logistic. Just understand that. So when you do have an international investor, you're talking to your CPA and you're letting them know, hey, I've got an international investor. Sounds like a lot more work on that CPA as well. A bigger expense there probably for us yes. as the operator. Yes. One of the things you might be able to do, and again, you want to check with your CPA because again, I get different answers on this, but one thing you might be able to do is set up, have the, again, easier said than done, but have the, the foreign investors set up a US LLC, fund the US LLC and invest through that LLC. That happens, and obviously the investor is going to. Your investor is the US LLC. You would simply issue the, the US LLC a K one. You would wire the money into the bank account of the LLC, and then it's up to the international guy to, or gal to, to to figure out how to get it back to their country. Or maybe they don't want to. Maybe they have other investments in the US and they want to keep it in the US. And so, so that's another thing you may want to consider talking to your CPA about. See if that's one way. I want to say around it, but again, I, I hate using those words. It seems like it's nefarious, and I'm just it's not. It's just one additional thing to discuss with your CPA. We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the, in the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.